unforgettable experience traveling Africa and everything I said earlier this year. It's going to be a lot of fun to return to the filmmaking world in season five and beyond with more perspective and uh, a greater hunger and focus on artistic expression again. And I just can't wait for you guys to hear from Jocelyn and BJ and, and Bob and all the other guests that I've got coming down the pipeline for Josiah's Voice podcast. Um, really excited to just get back into filmmaking. I feel like a different person. Um, if you heard my interview with Mark Meets Africa, he said Africa really uh, honed his confidence. It was funny he said that because I could attest before I heard him say that I felt that. I felt in a lot of ways I was kind of taking life more by the horns to kind of, you know, uproot my life and try to do something different. Hello, you're listening to Josiah's Voice. I'm your host, Josiah Bradley. In this conversational podcast, I invite you on my journey through TV, film, and writing. Plus, fellow artists visit with me to share their own unique creative voices along the way. Tune in and get inspired. What's up, everybody? This is Josiah, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 1. I've got myself a little bit of a script here, but it'll be um, some parts stream of consciousness. Um, I don't think I've done an episode like this in a while, so... At first, I was a little annoyed and daunted because I was like, oh, I've got to write a script. Like, it's hilarious, right? I do this podcast um, following a lot of things writing because I, I love writing. But if you're a writer like myself, you love the idea of fingers to keys, of pen to paper. You might be like me and love daydreaming and you love talking about process. But when it's time to actually do the work, bruh, it's like, oh, (laughs) maybe I need to scroll Instagram. Maybe I need to go for a walk. Maybe I need to clean my room. Suddenly everything else becomes more interesting and engaging and important. But um. Whether it's a TV script like what I'm going to talk about uh, later in this episode or whether it's a script for my podcast, writing is very helpful. You got to get your thoughts organized. Um, Strangely enough, um, all this bellyaching I'm doing about writing, which I love so much and I have dedicated episodes and episodes of this podcast to, uh, I also love writing lists and crossing things off you know, to the point of getting organized and things. I think I inherited that from my dad. So anyway, enough of enough of that. We we love writing and and storytelling overall here. And uh, I'm looking at my my script here and uh, let's let's get right into it. Yeah, I'm going to recap season four and then also let you know in this episode um, what I've been up to and what I've got planned coming up project-wise, including but not limited to deeper into this season of Josiah's Voice, as well as things I am writing. So uh, let's jump right on into it. So season four was uh, quite the experience. Um, If you've been following along in this podcast, I chronicle my journey as a storyteller, uh, as a screenwriter, author, filmmaker, I've worked on film sets, um, working crew as a production assistant, um, both on set and in the uh, COVID team. Uh, thanks to COVID, um, 
a little bit of polarity to everything. One good side of COVID was that uh, it allowed, it, it opened up another doorway for people to get a foot in the door to work in film production. Um, so I'm grateful for that opportunity. So I've had those experiences. Um, and then uh, December 2021, my family and I, uh, my parents and one of my three brothers, we um, we pulled we we launched out and decided to live abroad. So uh, for nine months in 2022, we lived in Rhonda, uh, Kigali, Rhonda, um, land of a thousand hills, lush, very green home of who who I call with my limited time there the uh the introverts of of the continent um I may be wrong about that because it was the first African country I'd been to for all I know there's another country where people are even more reserved in in kind of uh internal than even the the Rondins that that I met um as an introvert that that was certainly interesting um that's just kind of you know how I process things sometimes. And so, you know, through temperaments and personality types like introvert and extrovert and all of that. Um, but we had a really great experience overall, uh, in, in Rhonda. Um, it was kind of mind blowing to just wake up and know that I'm breathing African air every day. I'm under an African sky palm trees and, you know, foreign languages like Kenyarondin and many other Africans living uh, in the city, like people from Uganda and people from uh, Burundi and, and all over. Um, very clean city, Kigali. I think it's the cleanest city. Rwanda, I think, is the cleanest country overall in Africa. Last I heard, you'll have to fact check me. And we just have to get used to a lot of new things like, you know, Cash is king, you know, paying as you go, getting a local phone, um, ordering groceries and a great many things through an Instacart style service called Vuba Vuba, which I think is Kenyarondin for go, go, go. Well, the black experience, um, one of the biggest lessons I learned was that um, grace is is needed when you're dealing with Africans. um because I, I wasn't aware of this. Um, I think a lot of people aren't aware of it. And it just, it challenged me to, to grow in, in some areas that were a little tough at, at first, but I think it's been serving me well. Um, apparently a lot of Africans over the many years really aren't aware of the transatlantic slave trade and really what happened. Um, uh, hopefully this doesn't sound glib. Uh, I think some some Africans um, genuinely are under the impression that, you know, my ancestors, you know, if, if you're a descendant of African slave, you know, Ados, African descendant of, of slaves, you know, living in the United States of America live or living um, in, in uh, Europe, um, there some Africans are under the impression that our ancestors just kind of left the continent, um, of our own, of, of their own volition, 
some aren't aware of the history because there is to be, I don't know, politically correct, you know, uh, certain countries outside of the continent of Africa want to keep a certain perception. And so, um, you know, omission is a kind of dishonesty. And because of said omission, a lot of Africans just aren't aware of the history. And so that can contribute to tensions or to miscommunications or to just uh, sometimes goofy impressions that they don't, they're not aware are goofy. It's, you know, some legitimately think you know 50 Cent or Barack Obama or Beyonce or whoever, um, because there is a, a, a wide chasm, there's a disconnect. And through meeting um, other Africans, people we befriended um, while in Rwanda, um, and now in uh, Zanzibar, my family is now uh, set up shop here as as well on our tour of, of Africa. Um, we're just learning perceptions and, and ideas and just trying to bridge bridge the gap. We're trying to learn from them. And in turn, I really hope that they will learn uh, from us. So I had to have some grace there when it came to the history. You know, I'm learning about their history and they're learning about ours. We've uh, met a, a local couple or two here who um, are from, you know, Malawi and from Tanzania. Um, and they just know a lot, a lot of history. Um, and we're just there's a lot of meeting of the minds going on that I'm a really big fan of and, and really appreciate. And it's helping me to just kind of move in grace with people who aren't as well traveled and as well learned as some of their other African friends, some of the neighbors that I have now. So I'm just trying to take it all in stride, not uh, repress myself, because sometimes I'd be really, really frustrated <laughs> Um at, you know, the truth that some locals here um, just aren't aware of certain things. But sometimes, as my dad says, you don't know what you don't know. And that's real. There are a lot of things that I didn't know that I knew I was ignorant of, like sincerely unaware of when I came here. And, you know, to all the uh, Africans, all the friends uh, we've made so far who extended grace to me, I appreciate that, and I will pay it right back forward as we learn from each other. And so uh, it actually calls to mind, um, I can tag it in um, the blog, um, Josiah's Voice Podcast at WordPress.com. I attach this to a few choice interviews from season four, um, the travel series uh, on Spotify. I called it Odysseys by Josiah's Voice Podcast. You can listen to it there all the episodes of all the interviews with my friends, families, and even some uh, YouTubers and content creators who were kind enough to, and uh, excited enough to speak to me about their travels as black uh, expats. But uh, yeah, there's a short film that I'll link. Um, I'm, the title's um, escaping me a little bit. I think it's a letter from an African to an African-American, but you'll find it on the blog. Um and that contributed to the perspective I had that was growing. And it's, um, it kind of uh, is, is this very poetic piece that really uh, suggests to the African diaspora that um, actually your, your countrymen, you know, back on the continent of Africa, 
they are concerned about the history of blacks in Europe and blacks in the United States, you know. Um, there was all, there was oftentimes this prevailing feeling that, you know, maybe they didn't care because there was, to my understanding, nothing super international happened. Um, if you listen to season four, um, Mark Meets Africa, and I talked about that and just the complexity of, um, to our understanding in history, you know, no Africans came to get us and I'm not pointing the finger right now as upsetting an idea as that is. You never know what you might find in smaller stories in Africa. Maybe a, again, a big international thing didn't happen. But for all I know, there might be a few African countries that actually did mount, you know, rescue missions that failed or they were able to pull a few people out. You never know. You know, the African diaspora, the history and the stories are just deep and wide. There's more being unearthed documents treasure, DNA, there's things being unearthed all the time. And I give God thanks for that. And so um, this short film, um, I think a letter from an African to an African American, it's a really beautiful piece that I'll link that really, I swear they created it for real with the intent of trying to sh uh, spread healing for sure. It, it kind of reminds me of what the late great Chadwick Boseman said about Black Panther 1 and how it addresses the complexities and the tensions between the African and the African-American. Um, so I'll link that film because I think you guys should check that out. Um, and a lot of that just goes with just lessons learned and experiences while traveling through Africa. Some of the things that I touched on in season four. Um, moving on with that, it was really fun to just. Um, so, yeah, so I'm growing in my perspective and learning in. Uh, in my learning about the history, you know, um, it's a it's a complex but rich history. And uh, my North Star is that healing is just going to happen for the African diaspora. We'll continue to learn about what happened yesterday so that we know where we're going in the future, no matter how painful. That's what I've decided my North Star should be. So um, with that, it was a lot of fun to talk to my family. Um, the first part of season four was me talking with my family um, about our road trips and the father-son trips that we took um, to Mexico and to Japan and Bermuda and Jamaica and just those memories. Um, I loved that I have like this time capsule or this archive of interviews and stories from my parents and from my brothers. I love that. Like I have that with my brothers. I knew our stories, of course, but we hadn't talked about them in years. Um, and I haven't seen my two brothers. Shout out to you, Ethan, Matthew. Love you guys. I haven't seen them in about three going on, I think, four years now or, or thereabouts. Um because I lived in Los Angeles. If you're new to Josiah's Voice, I started this podcast in Los Angeles. I lived there for about three years um, and in the past nine months been living uh, in Central and East Africa, um, now in Zanzibar. Um, but I'm just glad I was able to share in the podcast and in our stories of travel together with the family. Really grateful for close family friends, two different families that lived in Rhonda already when my family moved there and they were 
they were quintessential. They were invaluable. They showed us the ropes, helped us build routines when it came to shopping, when it came to the culture, do's and don'ts, getting around in the city of Kigali. Um, and the same thing has happened here in Zanzibar with uh, new friends uh, that we've made here who are doing the same thing, helping us just um, hit the ground running and figure out how things work here. There's some overlap between um, Rhonda and uh, Zanzibar, and then naturally they do things uh, very different. Um, the The culture is a little bit more extroverted. Um, the, uh, it's a Muslim uh, country. Um, I mentioned the the seasonings a little bit more restrained. Things aren't, well, it depends. Certain things aren't very loud and overt as far as personality, flavoring of food. And that's just how Rhonda does things. But if you're black and you grew up in the States, that's a little foreign to you. No pun intended. So being in Zanzibar, certain things feel a little bit more my speed of how I grew up um, with just the personalities, you know, Rondans. Um, are just very cool, calm, and collected. You wouldn't even know that they were arguing unless someone told you, um, give those two a minute. They're, they're kind of in a heated debate. You might look at them and be like, really? Because people don't really raise their voices <laughs> in Rwanda and things like, like that. Um, East Africa, I heard as a whole, um, is kind of like that. A little bit more reserved. They do things a little bit differently. It's West Africa that's a little bit louder and more vibrant in that way. East Africa, to my understanding, is vibrant just in a different way. Um, but it's all Africa. So grateful for friends who uh, have traveled with us and who also were a part of season four and grateful to uh, Mark Meets Africa. I mentioned him, uh, the migrating mom, as well as uh, Ruth India Bahika uh, from Uganda. Wow, who just shared their travels, um, their experiences with culture, um, their experiences uh, in the case of Ruth growing up in Uganda, moving to Boston, starting a life there, and then being inspired to come back and start a sanctuary for at-risk girls. Um, Mark building schools and uh, community centers, business centers in Tanzania. Looking forward to meeting him someday very, very soon. Um, appreciating um, the migrating mom, Rukia McNair's um, insights into traveling with family, being a traveling artist and entrepreneur, jumping around to various countries, even outside of Africa, like uh, Thailand and um, Indonesia, um, and then living in Tanzania. She also lived in Rwanda and now she lives in Ghana and just kind of doing the, the traveling entrepreneurial thing. But everyone just, I thought it was great to just have all these stories of adventure as I'm in that place in my life right right now. Um, and ending with um, Ruth India Bahika, the founder of Grace Villa, um, a sanctuary for at-risk girls, um, last week, actually, that was very powerful. Um, and if you haven't heard that, you should definitely tune in. Um, it was a great place to wrap up season four. Very sobering stories of young girls in Uganda who have um, faced a lot of adversity, but are using dance, culture, education, um, and just sisterhood to um, forge a new path and to get a second chance. And I just think it's beautiful what uh, Miss Ruth 
has been doing. And uh, it was wonderful to meet them um, for a uh, weekend trip back in April for uh, my Uncle Don's birthday. It was pretty mind-blowing, just the rich culture, just the beautiful music and dance and the storytelling in the dance when we met Ruth and her students, her nieces, she calls them. And uh, I don't know, everything I've been describing doesn't really do it all justice. So definitely check out season four um, for sure. But yeah, that's, um, I, I guess, last but not least for season four, you know, again, lessons learned, learned about trust. You know, it wasn't all a cakewalk. I have a buddy who calls me an influencer. It's just a little inside joke because, you know, social media, that's a highlight reel. You know, um, I shared a lot of beautiful photos and videos of my travels and I'm happy to do it. But, you know, we, we struggled with, you know, things with getting visas, with, um, you know, we had thefts. It wasn't unique to us. That's happened to people before. We'd seen stories and even worse on YouTube. It happens, you know, happens in the States, <laughs> happens in other countries and you gotta, you gotta pay attention um, you know, dealt with, you know, being taken advantage of, you know, things being overpriced, you know, and, and I understand, you know, there's poverty, uh, everywhere, but, you know, honesty is always the best policy. And, you know, I don't know about you listeners, but, you know, I believe God, you know, he reigns on the just and the unjust and he's watching, you know? And so if, if you're not doing things honestly, you know, you got to, you got to pivot. You got to change that thing. Otherwise, things won't get better. Relationships, friendships and things won't get better in, you know, your native land or when you're, you know, living internationally and meeting new people. So it wasn't always a cakewalk, but it has been unforgettable. And the good thus far has outweighed the bad. I was while packing to move last year. I found, um, I guess it was a five-year list. Um, at the time, it was projections five years out. And on my list, it said, visit Africa. And I totally forgot this um, immediately after writing it. And then last year, while packing, getting rid of stuff, packing things up, I found the list. And I was like, wow, I'm about to get on this plane <laughs> and go live in Africa you know, and uh, hopefully, you know, learn some things about myself, about my family, about the culture, become a better storyteller and filmmaker. Um, and Josiah's Voice podcast has been invaluable in my producing and production skills, um, just in a different way, um, clearly more so with audio, but um, it's been amazing. So that was, that's been my travel so far, um, condensed definitely into season four. It was an experiment. It was different because I did set out to do this podcast focusing on storytelling and film, but I just felt like there was a lot of pent up energy, good energy. I'm like, I've never done this before, lived abroad. I got to talk about this and I got to talk about it with people who know what I'm going through. So check that out. Um, and so with that, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll be back to talk to you about uh, what I'm working on. Stay tuned. All right. And we're back. So um, hitting the ground running. Um, I was inspired to reread my first uh, ever script, The Viceroy. I did it um, at Towson when I was studying film and screenwriting. Um, it was kind of inspired by like movies like um, 
Coriolanus with Ray Fiennes. It was inspired by Equilibrium in in some measure. Um, the Battle of Algiers, you know, it was, I like those stories about a, a, a bad guy working for the establishment who joins the rebels. Um, but I think it was the landscape of living in Africa, you know, the banana trees, the palm trees, things I realized I actually didn't describe all that well when I reread the script. I wrote the script back in 2013, but I remembered as visual as the script is, there were some things, you know, with the landscape I was like, I always thought this was tropical and I never associated Africa, the continent with tropics, but there's tropics here. You know, there's lagoons in the Indian Ocean here in Zanzibar between us and Tanzania and things like that. And I'm like, I think I was writing about Africa so many years ago. I just didn't know it. And of course, the black people, you know, my characters, this was the the vice where was like one of the first scripts where I was really focusing on writing about people that that look like me and a wealth of culture, as well as like trying to iron out and redeem, you know, social unrest and things, because as we all know, Africa has been through a lot, but there's still a lot of wealth and spirituality and things here. And so rereading the script, it's like a 13-page script. Uh, one of the first screenwriting classes I took, we were writing shorts. Um, we were reading Gursky's book on screenplay, how to write um, short screenplays really, really well. Um, so the script is visual, and it's about you know a Viceroy character um, who got promoted in uh, a skirmish with rebels and he's there's a royal kind of monarchy final fantasy slight thing there are a lot of influences to this thing um bear with me i know i'm going a mile a minute but uh there's a lot of visuals i noticed you know the costuming i was trying to show not tell there's a lot of telling though but you know it was my first short screenplay i think at the time there's some cliches. Oh, there's some flat, goofy dialogue. I was like, what in the world is this fake me out Shakespearean dramatic language? But I remember it was so much fun to write. And that's what I wanted to return to. And I just love that living abroad with all these brown people, with all this history, with some monarchy, even when it was colonizers, better yet, local monarchies and African governments. Um rich literal tapestries and spices and color like I was in the market the other day and it's bustling and and there's a lot of people there um and just the produce and everything was just so colorful and I'm like wow like this is the type of stuff I would have put in the script I mean it was only a few pages and I had to focus on a specific situation but I'm like there's a lot of blackness in this script and so I'm thinking of maybe re rewriting it. Um, it was fun to to reread for sure. I need to get back to it because uh, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my first feature script was inspired by the Viceroy called Ladder Code, the Viceroy in question. That uh, is French, I believe, for a vice king, um, someone, you know, or a governor, someone acting on the behalf of, you know, the chief, you know, the king. The main character, the protagonist, his name's Logan Ladder, um, and I wrote a feature script, sci-fi script. That's right, I forgot to say. The Viceroy is a sci-fi script, you know, lasers, cybernetic armor, hovercrafts, holograms, all, all types of cool stuff. Little, you know, influences from Star Wars and Star Trek are in there as well. Um, Black Panther, Afrofuturism, you know, the little bit that I know about it. 
my feature script, Ladder Code, is inspired by the Viceroy. Um, I was reminded that you got to stick to your guns because a friend, you know, who was, um, I don't know, they they didn't like the prequels to Star Wars and didn't want me to, like, use the Viceroy. And when you change the title, it kind of messes up everything. So they didn't mean any harm. But I realize now me taking that advice did harm because it was fun to write the feature script version of Ladder Code. But in many ways, it doesn't resemble the Viceroy and not in the best of ways. So definitely stick to your guns when you're going to name a character, name a project. It's kind of like a really helpful guardrail. So rereading the Viceroy, I was like, oh, yeah, why did I change so many things? Oh, that's going to get into something I'm going to touch on uh, in just a few minutes about criticism and taking people's feedback. Again, people don't mean any harm. You just... It's an art form, you know, because at the end of the day, it's your story. So um, I love that uh, the landscape and the peoples of, you know, Rhonda and Zanzibar inspired me to reread the script. And uh, I'm excited to, to, to see what, what happens next, even if I leave it alone. It was just fun to pick it up. I don't know. I'm looking forward to whatever effect this will have. You know, sometimes rereading old work isn't so bad. And so um, we just recapped. Uh, before the break, you know, traveling and just the experience it's had on me and things. And now we're, you know, I'm rereading my script. I reread my script, The Viceroy. And now I want to talk about um, the two most downloadable episodes of Josiah's Voice. I wrote my first TV pilot, that episode, and best tips for YouTubers. Now we're resuming filmmaking content, guys, and so I'm really excited about this direction, resuming this direction with even greater focus. So uh, I wanted to briefly chat about my top film episodes um, that you guys have downloaded. Thank you very much. If you're working on your first script or if you're launching a YouTube channel, I think you'll enjoy these uh this little recap that I'm going to do. I recently listened back again to them, and I want to speak on them because... Again, you guys downloaded these two the most, and I just wanted to plug them again. And if you're new to Josiah's voice, to go check them out if you miss them by any chance. So here are some um, highlights from those two episodes. The first episode is I Wrote My First TV Pilot, and the second episode is Best Tips for YouTubers. So the first one, I Wrote My First TV Pilot, um, I wrote a book with my dad called Noteworthy Tribute. It takes place in the setting is Hampton Roads, Virginia, and it's about two friends named Evan and Corey who are united by tragedy and a passion for music and getting, uh, they're trying to cut an album and life keeps throwing curveballs. And so it's a contemporary uh, fictional novel just about a group of friends and family with music at the center and just how life keeps happening and it's like you know will they complete the album or not what's gonna happen you know will friendships survive you know it's a coming of age story um that my dad wrote first and then he invited me to co-author it with him and uh we we learned a lot you know we made a lot of mistakes but we also had an amazing bonding experience we you know people would tell us that they were inspired to write their books you know, um, it's not a New York Times bestseller or anything like that. But um, if there's one thing I've been reminded of, it's uh, the rewards are more important than the awards. 
And again, reading, rereading old work is uh, very valuable for the writer as you move forward. And so um, writing Noteworthy Tribute was an amazing memory I'll always cherish. And so in writing my first TV pilot, I took a course with a Coursera back in 2020. I met some people in a webinar back when webinars were going crazy at the height of the panorama. Um, it was a free course to write your TV pilot. And so just very briefly, these are just, if you listen back to that episode, I, um, kind of outlined five things, uh, five takeaways from my experience writing my first TV pilot, um, which was adapting a book into a TV show, taking a novel, taking prose and reinterpreting it visually because TV and film is very visual. Um, a lot of showing and not telling, a lot of subtext. Um, you can do subtext, of course, in a novel and things like that, but it's going to come across differently in a visual medium. So I talk about that, the challenges there, the rewards there. I talk about how my world building improved um, specifically with outlining and the story Bible. The story Bible I actually always loved, even when I was a little boy creating stories that I never actually fleshed out. I used to love writing character bios, creature features, um, things about fictional geography where the stories took place. Those were basically story or script Bibles. Um, you can go online now, and I, I linked all these things in the episode show notes. And I'll, um, in the blog um, attached to the show notes for this here episode, don't worry, I'll link uh, I wrote my first TV pilot and best tips for YouTubers. I'll link both episodes and I'll link the uh, blogs within the blog, <laughs> blog inception. But I talk about how my world building improved and how I got better at the story Bible. In fact, I think it was my favorite part of the writing process, even though you've got to get the pilot done. Um, for those who don't know, the pilot is the name, the professional name of the first episode in a TV show. Um, if you want to know why it's called a pilot, it's escaping me right now. Check out best tips from a script consultant. I can plug that episode as well in the notes for you because, uh, Reed Dolly describes why the first episode of a TV show is called a pilot and she does it very well. So moving right along, the third point in that episode was, uh, I sh uh, how important it was to share your writing. This was an online course when I wrote my first TV pilot. And so we had to do, um, had to give constructive criticism. We had to take constructive criticism. Um, this was an international class. So part of the challenge was also everyone didn't speak the same language. Everyone didn't speak English. Um, and so uh, I had to learn again how to take criticism, how to give it, make sure I talked about what I thought strengthened the script, what could be better, make sure I didn't demoralize anyone. I was reminded that taking criticism is an art form um, as well as how to give it because um, you're trying to improve the writers. You're trying to improve the piece. And also it's OK after receiving criticism not to take it. You have to be responsible for that, but it is your prerogative. Um, that goes back to when I was talking about rereading The Viceroy and how I should have just stuck to that title because it perfectly explained what it was I was trying to do in the project uh, and future school projects as it related to that script because uh, writing The Viceroy was the first part of 
well, my two-year program to eventually write the full-length feature script, um, feature length, going from a 13-page sort of proof-of-concept short, short film to a 90-page feature-length uh, screenplay. So, um, you know, take it or leave it, so long as it benefits the, the piece, that's what's important. Don't worry about someone else's opinion uh, about your title or anything like that if it just doesn't resonate with you. Anyway, uh, point four was it's good to grow as a writer, so stay humble. Um, in rereading Noteworthy Tribute, in rereading The Viceroy this week, in fact, um, I touched on it. You know, you're reminded of, you know, oh, I was this type of writer five years ago. I'm different now. And it can be a little cringy. And so I went through that when um, rereading the first half of Noteworthy Tribute to adapt it for the course um, to write my first TV pilot. And, you know, I felt really self-conscious, but I had to remember to stay humble. All writers uh, go through that. And it's just kind of, a, I guess, par for the course. It's, it's a part of the learning experience. It's, it's okay. Um, I do remember a lot of people who did read the book, really enjoyed it. I wanted them to get really good vibes from it. I hope the things that we did really well really stood out. Um, and of course, the point is to always continue growing as a writer, no matter what. Um, because like actors, I think, you know, we're talking about movies, right? A lot of actors are like, oh, I can't watch my movies back, you know, or my TV shows or something. Because they were like, let's be in the moment of the creative process and then let's leave it alone. You know, um, it can be different with, with writing because you kind of need sort of to reread old writing. It's a little bit different. But I learned to stay humble um, during that process. And thanks to doing that, I was able to complete the pilot. Otherwise, I wouldn't have the episode to plug for you guys. So there. And then the fifth and final point was to be curious about form. I've always been interested in that and uh, in that course and in the year 2020 with a lot of webinars and a lot of different writers I was meeting. I was so grateful. I was meeting a lot of writers, a lot of black writers, too. I got re-exposed to um, things like the limited and miniseries, um, half hour, half hour pilots, I think, were really starting to take off. Um, scripted podcasts, um, like thing uh, projects with like Issa Rae, or um, there's overlap there with also Homecoming, which is a half hour drama uh, inspired by a scripted po sci-fi podcast. Um, and those are all things I've been very, very interested in. You know, the limited miniseries is cool. Um, calls to mind like um, The Queen's Gambit, which was a, a, a limited series. Um, there's a little bit of semantics there, so you'll have to fact check, fact check me. There is a slight difference between the limited series and the miniseries. I'm forgetting what it is right now. But uh, if you're interested, go Google that. It is really, really fascinating. And a lot of interesting titles come up. And when I completed the pilot, it made me think, you know, what else am I capable of writing now that I've done it? You know, it's like, whew, you know, wiping the sweat off my brow, you know, turning in the final project, getting the feedback. It's like, wow, I've done it. Um, and it was good to listen to this episode back because I actually have not got to be real. I have not written a pilot since then. And I was supposed to, but, you know, life happens and, uh. 
well, I'm going to try to write a new one. I don't know what it'll be about yet. I've had some ideas, you know, knocking around in my head for a while. My journal's full of all types of stuff. I'm just trying to get my concepts. I'm also trying to be patient with my process. But um, it was cool to hear that as I closed out the episode upon uh, listening back to it when I was like, yo, what else am I capable of doing? There's still so much more for me to do. So uh, those are the highlights um, from I Wrote My First TV Pilot episode. Um, That's the format of the episode where I just, you know, listed off five things that I learned when writing uh, my first TV pilot. And then best tips for YouTubers. That's the biggest episode um, of Josiah's Wiss podcast. Thank you all again um, to those of you who have listened and, and shared. Thank you again to Matt and Glory, a.k.a. Slice and Rice, for, for talking to me um, in their busy, busy schedule. In fact, uh, this month, uh, September anyway, was their anniversary month. I believe they were celebrating, I can't remember how many years now, but happy anniversary, Matt and Glory. So um, listening back uh, to that today, um, I was impressed and encouraged by them all over again. And my, my overall takeaway was to have fun. At the end of the interview, I remember I said something about how they started off loving connecting with new people. Matt and Glory love connecting with new people. They have different personalities, but they both love interpersonal connection. They both adore comedy before they formed Slice and Rice. They had their own individual YouTube channels. Um, Matt loved making videos about um, spy movies and video games. Glory liked making music videos. Um, we all uh, work together um, in uh, school with various um, organizations to do the Roar video inspired by Katy Perry's Roar. Um, Glory like spearheaded and directed that whole thing. It's pretty it was very fun. You can find that on YouTube right now, in fact. But yeah, just uh, a love for people and comedy. It's one of the things that that uh, strengthen their relationship. Um And it's like the cornerstone of who they are in a lot of their videos. They've done a lot of videos on sharing culture because Matt, you know, if you're not familiar with Slice and Rice on YouTube, um, Matt is black, Gloria is Korean. So they've been sharing a lot of um, they've been taking their viewers on a journey of just, you know, cultural expression um, and investigate or exploration rather, um, especially around food. They're both foodies. Food is also a thing, you know, because Glory, Matt and Glory are parents now. And some of their uh, most fun videos wasn't just them cooking different foods for each other or seeing if they could, can Matt pull off cooking Korean food? Can Glory, you know, pull off, you know, soul food or something? But also like Glory force feeding Matt, like her pregnancy cravings, you know, those were hilarious. And she's like teaching Matt about like just that part of the pregnancy experience, um, Matt's mom, Mama Eggstract, um, is also like, you know, a really bright spot of their YouTube videos. And that's great that they've been able to share that with Matt's mom. And um, yeah, you, you have to create on every level for the love of creation is what I, I remember taking that from the interview, but listening back today. Yeah, it it just it rung true even deeper since since then. This interview took place in 2020, by the way, and a lot's happened in two years. Um, 
They said that if you want to do something to become rich and famous, you've heard this, it's a cliche, but it's true. You ain't about that life. It's not sustainable if you do anything to be rich and famous. And Matt and Glory have like over a million YouTube subscribers and they get recognized. They've been awarded by YouTube and Google and, and VidCon and things. They, they've got a thriving business and... You know, it's a lot it comes with a lot of pressure. We talked about a lot of those things in that that episode, which I think are transferable for anyone creating in the public eye, you know, in any artistic medium, you know, creating is the reward. I think I mentioned that earlier um, and who you share it with. Everyone's not going to write or make videos with a team, but, you know, it's still the, the best reward. And it was good for me to hear that back, you know. Even me saying it on the episode, um, you know, saying it back to Slice and Rice. Um, with that as your foundation, guys, like the business and awards, the community, it takes care of itself. Um, you got to be who you are. Um, I had asked them how they thought each other had grown. And Matt said that Gloria is an even more thorough researcher. And that really comes through in the videos. And... Matt really grew in his acts of service, actually. Had, Glory said Matt grew, he grew in ways as a YouTuber, but she'd pick something personal and how he just loves on her and the kids um, and does thing a lot of things without asking. It's just, you know, Matt's always thinking about, like, how can he make something fun and creative, even if it's just folding clothes <laughs> um, or making the bed, as Glory said. Um, I think... Matt used to work at a clothing store. So when he mentioned the clothes YouTube video, I was like, oh, that actually came from a, a place of of like experience for me. He didn't just pull that out of the sky, but they became more of who they were. YouTube, thankfully, brought out more of the good things in Matt and Glory, you know. And it made Slice and Rice, it's making Slice and Rice better all the time. And so overall, I guess it's like, you know, as an artist... Our greatest works of art are ourselves, you know. Um, and so, yeah, so those are my top two. I just wanted to plug those again because you guys really, um, really love those. And um, I love doing uh, episodes and interviews about the filmmaking process. That's why that's why I'm here. That's never fully, you know, it's never gone away. Um, and so if you're new here, you know, I encourage you to go check out those two episodes. Uh, again, I'd really appreciate it. Um, I wrote my first TV pilot. That's the first one. And the second one is best tips for YouTubers featuring an interview with Matt and Glory, also known as Slice and Rice. Prevailing theme of this episode, guys, starting off season five, I guess is kind of looking back at uh, what's come before. So that's kind of cool. I didn't really realize that at first, even though it was staring me in the face. But um, this has been really, really interesting. So I'm going to take another quick break, and then uh, I'll be back with uh, some recent writing and uh, the last couple things that I've been up to and where Season 5 is going to go. Hold tight. I'll be right back. This episode of Josiah's Voice Podcast is brought to you by Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural, smooth human voice. It won't be my voice, but no app is perfect, but this one's pretty close. Because for the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable. 
browse articles from topics you choose, and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, science, to Bitcoin, or pop culture and movies. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, exploring trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Like this one. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's www.newsly.me. Or from the link in the description and use promo code J0S1AHV01CE. Josiah's voice, get it? Again, that's J0S1AHV01CE. I'll put that in the description for you. When you click it, you'll receive a one-month free premium subscription to Newsly. Stop scrolling. Start listening with Newsly. All right. Welcome back. Um, never done two commercial breaks, so that was different. Um, so uh, I didn't think this episode was going to be that long. How many podcasters and YouTubers say that? I really thought this one was going to be shorter, but... A lot of you have said you actually like the longer ones, so this one's definitely for you guys. But um, as we get ready to bring it to a close, let me update you guys on recent projects. Um, So uh, the past two months have been really fun because uh, I um, reconnected with an old co-worker to work on on her latest pilot. She's combining two short films into a limited series... um, uh, a really fun competitive kind of Hunger Games style dark comedy thing examining, you know, Hollywood, um, especially black Hollywood, you know, and uh, critiquing black art and and being on a pedestal and monolithic ideas of celebrity and black celebrity. And it's been a lot of fun to talk to her about those things. It kind of got me back into the swing of things, you know, a couple months ago, because I really, I hadn't, with the exception of journaling, which I count as writing, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of really any writing from a, a novel standpoint or a script, you know, screenplay or anything. Um, the podcast has been my main source of creative expression, and that's totally fine. Um, I once heard an author say, sometimes your brain just needs a break from writing for a really long time. And that's healthy. It's okay. But I think I'm getting back into uh, back into the swing of things. And um, one thing my friend really appreciated, she asked me, what do you bring, you know, to, to writing, you know, because this is basically a writer's room type thing. She's trying to gradually put her writer's room together. She's got a really fantastic, you know, script idea. And I was like, you know what, I realize I bring structure and a listening ear to the collaboration process. You know, the outline, you know, the story Bible I mentioned earlier, character development. I love character development, whether it's a dynamic character, you know, that goes through a change or whether it's a uh, a well-written flat character who inspires dynamism and change in other characters. You know, think Superman or like uh, Paddington, um, overarching themes, keeping those um, intact and not, not letting any fall by the wayside. And I'm a team player because um, thanks to chatting with her, I was like, you know what? I've done collaborative writing. I've written a book with my dad, you know, in college. I wrote a a superhero uh, web series with some friends. Um, I wrote 
a comic book with a friend. Um, I don't, I don't even know that writer's rooms were a thing in comics. Maybe they were, or maybe my friend started the first one. Um, I wrote a movie slash web series with my best friend. Like, it's really cool, you know, when art brings us together like this, because it reminds you of who you are and what you've done. You know, especially when you're having bad days where you're like, oh, everyone's more artistic than me. I don't have any experience. Who would want to listen to me? Who'd want to buy in to what I'm doing? Who'd want to participate? And uh, not that I was having a bad day, but that can definitely help when you're having a bad day. But um, it was cool to just realize, you know, when she asked me, you know, what I bring to the table, what I'd done. She was like, oh, you wrote a book with your dad? That's fire. You know, um, I was like, wow, I really have done some stuff. It's it's really good to be reminded of that, you know. And so um, that's kind of what got things going. Um, we've been on a, a little bit of a break. You know, work's been picking up for her. And, of course, I, I was moving again. And so uh, I look forward to, to you know, FaceTimes and, and, you know, Google Drive, you know, writer's room meetings with, with her. And uh, I just want to bring, you know, whatever I can, whatever skills and experience I got, I just want to help make her pilot, you know, sing, you know, because it's a really cool concept that hopefully you guys will hear about uh, very, very, very soon. So that's some of uh, some of the new writing that, that I've been doing, some of the creative consulting and collaboration I've been doing. And last but not least, um, back to podcast stuff. Um, if you follow me online, you know, on social media, you saw that uh, I was recently um, a guest on the Act Break podcast hosted by uh, Jamie and Carly. Um, I met them on Instagram three to five years ago and uh, in the in the bookstagram space, you know, they are um, they're also fellow novelists themselves. Um, Jamie really loves sci fi. Carly loves um, fantasy. Um, I've even beta read for Carly before um, she was writing a really fun Norse mythology book and they started a podcast right around the time that I did. Um, talking to internet friends about the writing process, writing tropes, different kinds of characters, um, book to movie and film adaptations. A lot of the things we talked about here in this episode, they talk about writing conventions, mostly from a book writing literature standpoint. So I'd been looking forward to it for the longest time. They hit me up, I think, early this year, late last year. Um, and we finally uh, were able to do it last month uh, or earlier this month, um, September, at the time of recording this. And we were talking about comic books. And it was just a real pleasure to wax poetically about the art form. It's one of my favorite art forms, hands down. I know I actually haven't talked about it that much on the podcast. I need to try to rectify that. But um, we talked about how long we'd been reading comics, favorite heroes, favorite books beyond superhero stuff like DC and Marvel. Um, I got to plug some black indie comics making waves in the industry, like, you know, Stranger Comics, um, the return of um, Milestone Media. They're the geniuses behind my favorite superhero, Static Shock. That's coming back. I read a lot of those relaunch books on the plane to Rhonda. In fact, that was a lot of fun. And I brought them with me. You know, I was like, we're going we're gonna to bring Milestone Media to Africa if they haven't been here before. I don't know. 
And so uh, that was a lot of fun to talk about that with the ladies. Um, they were also really sweet to me when they they told me something I did not know, that I was one of their inspirations for them launching the Act Break podcast. I had no idea about that. I didn't know that was part of their story. It was very humbling to, to hear. Um, this podcasting is hard and can be daunting sometimes. Sometimes the rewards are slow. They're not instant like, you know, other platforms where you can sometimes there are other metrics that are a little bit more readily available than others. You're not always sure how you're doing. That's why reviews and star ratings and things are so, so helpful. Um, I need to get better at that. So if you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and I'm just proud of them. I'm proud of you, Carly and, and Jamie. Thanks for having me on on your show to just talk about all things comic books. It was just amazing. Um, I invite you guys to go check them out. If you love writing other writing process uh, media, you need to check out the Act Break podcast. They're hilarious. These are just really funny women um, who are just really big nerds about the, the art form of writing. Um, so if you want to hear it and also other guest spots I've done on previous um, podcasts, I'll link them um, on the blog as well. OK, so um, thanks again uh, to the Act Break podcast for having me on. That was uh, that was just recently in September. And that's a little bit of what I've been up to. So yeah, that's um that's what's been going on in in my world and uh what I have planned for season 5 going forward. Let's get into that. So three new interviews. This is going to be the shortest season yet. Um one interview every week for the month of October. Um ladies first will be uh joined by Jocelyn Rivera. Um, we'll be talking about uh, how PAing and the filmmaking process made her a better screenwriter and author. That'll be followed by another PA, that's production assistant, um, and screenwriting interview with BJ Passinger, uh, who also shares um, the importance of mental health in the film industry. And then uh, last but not least, we welcome Thundergrunt Bob, a.k.a. Uh, Bob Rose, Actually, that's Bob Rose, a.k.a. Thundergrunt Bob. I did that wrong. <laughs> but uh, Bob joins me to chat about how he's uh, combined his love for indie filmmaking in Baltimore. Uh, so we're going back to my home state of Maryland. He's combining. Uh, we talk about how Bob's combined his love of indie filmmaking with his passion for podcasting. He's uh, one of the co-hosts of the Writer's Blockbusters podcast. Um if you've listened to uh, previous episodes of Josiah's Voice podcast, I've had uh, Bob's uh, co-host, one of his co-hosts, um, Jamie Nash, the author of Save the Cat Rights for, Rights for TV. I've had him on the show. So um, unforgettable experience traveling Africa and everything I said earlier this year um, and talking with friends and family, hearing their travel stories. But it's going to be a lot of fun to return to the filmmaking world in season five and beyond with more perspective and uh, a greater hunger and focus on artistic expression again. 
And I just can't wait for you guys to hear from Jocelyn and BJ and and Bob and all the other guests that I've got coming uh, down down the pipeline for Josiah's Voice podcast. Um, really excited to just get back into filmmaking with just you know I just feel a little bit like like a different. I feel like a different person. Um, if you heard my interview with Mark Meets Africa, he said Africa really um, honed his confidence. And uh, I've kind of struggled with that over my life. I know it's not unique to me, but um, it was funny he said that because I could attest before I heard him say that I felt that I felt in a lot of ways I was kind of taking life more by the horns to kind of, you know, uproot my life and try to do something different by living abroad, going to countries where I don't speak the language, where I don't know all the history, you know, where there are a lot of different challenges with routine, with food, with politics, what with film, you know, how would I navigate film? You know, it's different. You know, you can't snatch a job from a local here on the African continent or anything like that. You know, a lot of people, to my knowledge, don't generally go to the continent of Africa to make films. Um, you go to Hollywood. That's what I mean by that. Pe- plenty of people come to, you know, South Africa and other places, you know, to make films. Absolutely. Including Hollywood. But, you know, you can just go to Hollywood, immigrate to the United States and start making films, you know. But in other countries, it's not always that easy. And I just had to observe that, respect it and um, continue to do my research, you know, as I try to as I develop as a filmmaker and see what that looks like here on the continent. So um, that's still a work in progress, you know, and and that's okay. I'm looking forward to to seeing how it turns out. So, um, yeah, guys, it's (laughs) goodness. I know I've said a lot and we just finished, you know, season four. We're starting season five. Um, I feel like something else is starting. I don't know, but I think it's good. So, uh on that vague but optimistic note, I just want to say thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for, you know, the the reviews. Thank you for sharing on, on Instagram. Thank you to those who, um, you know, text and DM me and tell me how much you enjoy the episode and, and things and have told me, you know, to continue to use my voice, you know, to just um, continue to create And I just really, really appreciate it. So um, again, thank you guys for listening. And with that, I'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Thank you guys for tuning in to Josiah's Voice, the podcast. Subscribe on all listening platforms. And you can keep up with the show on social media by following at Josiah's Voice Pod on all social media. And keep up with the show on the blog. Subscribe at the blog at www.josiasvoicepodcast.wordpress.com for all the show notes for each and every episode. And if you like my theme music, the song is called Emotion. It's by Mateo. Subscribe to him on iTunes and Spotify. Thanks, guys.